Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Captain's Log, the show devoted to discussions and insights into pop culture with an emphasis on cinema in the occasional themed episodes. This is your captain speaking, Jose Valle, and it's time for us to begin our transmission. Star date 0105-2019. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Captain's Log. I'd like to take a moment before we begin and just thank everybody who reached out to me and asked me how I was doing and whether I was safe within these last treacherous winter conditions that the Midwest and the eastern United States has faced. I'll tell you this, uh, this vortex was insane. I have experienced, I've never, ever experienced a winter like this. I'm from Utah, so I'm no stranger to winters, but... A Midwest winter is unlike anything I have experienced, and on top of that, the vortex, yeah, uh, you know, bitter winds, low visibility, and low, low temperatures, yikes, it was interesting, to say the least. I'm sure you all saw those videos of people throwing water in the air and seeing it turn to steam, or pouring the water on the glass and seeing it freeze in, in seconds, or even the girl who went outside with wet hair and it froze straight up. Like, as I watched these videos, I was like, oh, man, like, this is where I'm living. <laughs> this is this is insane. This is wild. But, you know, I still kind of enjoyed the experience in a weird way because, you know, it builds character. Yeah, And the canceled classes were very, very nice. But also one day I'm going to be able to tell my kids that I lived through something like this. You know, like if they ever complain about how cold it is. I'm just going to hit him with a, yeah, well, I, when I was your age, I lived through, you know, the polar vortex that struck the Midwest. So that's nice. But yeah, once again, thanks to everybody that cared for my safety. I appreciate you all. It has been warming up this weekend, uh, so hopefully we'll be done with this bitter cold. Uh, also, the mythical groundhog that we pull out of the ground every groundhog day didn't see his shadow. And so according to that, we should be expecting an early spring. And I am ready for that. Like today, I had to go into town, and as I was driving around, I was like, hmm, something is different. And that something was that I could see grass again. Like, it wasn't just a white blanket on everything. And it's wild to see how much the snow has already begun to melt. Like, most of it is gone. The roads and parking lots look clear, and it's it's great. I've never been so happy to see blacked up in my life. The jump from 10 degrees to 40 helped. But also, it's kind of scary, because it's like... You know, climate change is real, folks. Like, it's it's real. <laughs> um, but I've also heard Iowa's supposed to be great around springtime, so I'm looking forward to that. Getting back to being able to produce and put out creative projects. I'm hoping you will all see some cool work from me very soon, as you know, with weather permitting. Uh, but anyway, enough of my rambling. Let's jump into our show with our famous segment, Did You See the News? <laughs> All right, did you see the news that Alfonso Cuaron has won the Director's Guild Award for Top Feature Film for Roma, continuing his sweep of awards? Cuaron beat out Bradley Cooper for A Star is Born, Spike Lee for Black Klansman, Adam McKay for Vice, and Peter Farrelly for Green Book. Roma, which is set in Mexico City in the 1970s, is based on his childhood experiences. It is also worth mentioning that this is the second time that the DGA has awarded a foreign language film this award since Ang Lee's Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon 18 years ago. 
and it is the second DGA that Guaron has won five years after receiving one for directing Gravity. And he's already beat out these four men for Golden Globes, and many are predicting he will beat them out for the Oscar, as the winners of the DGA award usually go on to receive the directing Oscar, with all but seven since 1948 having uh, proven this right. Also, he, I think I mentioned this last week's episode, um, he also won the Producers Guild Award, so he's got both Producers Guild Award and Directors Guild Award, like, this man is killing it, his film and himself are nominated in so many categories, like, it's insane, I think, I don't want to call anything too soon, but I think Roma could potentially be sweeping Oscars this, this, this season, so we'll see. Next up, we have some sequel news. Uh, did you see that according to Disgusting Film, Space Jam 2 is underway at, and I quote, might begin filming June 17th in California. The sequel to the 90s hit will feature LeBron James on the court with the Looney Tunes gang, and it is to be directed by Terrence Nance and Black Panther director Ryan Coogler is set to produce. No release date has been given yet, but I really, really hope this happens, you know, for many, many reasons. But the most important one being that I loved Space Jam as a kid, and I would love to see a return to that world. Uh, and with today's technology, I just feel like I'm sort of intrigued to see what the world would even look like. And I'd love to see LeBron in a movie of this size. You know, the king deserves to show us, and the Looney Tunes gang, what he's got. Did you see that Sky High director Mike Mitchell has just come out and said that there were plans for a sequel? For those of you that might not be familiar with Sky High, it was a Disney original movie that was set in an era where superheroes were commonly known and accepted. And young Will Stronghold, son of the Commander and Jetstream, two of the biggest superheroes in their world, uh, tries to find a balance between being a normal teenager and an extraordinary being. Look, it's not the best film, uh, but I absolutely loved it as a kid. Um, I had the disc for my uh, PSP, and I would watch it everywhere I'd go as we went on trips and stuff. And my siblings love it, and it sort of has this uh, cult following. The sequel was to be called uh, Save University or Save You, um, and it was planned but never happened. There was also a TV show idea as the actor signed a contract to be in said TV show, but that also never happened. And I just feel like this film never really received the attention that it deserved because it went up against Tim Burton's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and weird, pasty Johnny Depp beat out this sort of campy and fun high school teen superhero movie. Did you see the news that Fast 9 is confirmed to start shooting next month? Vin Diesel let fans know this through a video posted on his Instagram. We know that Justin Lin is coming back to direct and that The Rock will not return for this. Uh, because he is busy with that Hobbs and Shaw spinoff, and also because, you know, him and Diesel have beef, and lots of it. It was revealed uh, after the filming of Fate of the Furious that there was a lot of drama behind the scenes between them, as Vin Diesel was an executive producer, and he had a lot of Dwayne The Rock Johnson's uh, scenes cut out of the film without letting him know ahead of time. And this led The Rock to post something on Instagram that basically called out Vin Diesel, not by name, but essentially... Uh, as being what he called a candy ass <laughs> and someone who wasn't willing to talk about his issues with another person and was just acting childish and immature. And then reportedly there was a secret meeting that was held between the two where they aired out their grievances and Dwayne The Rock Johnson said in an interview that it offered clarity and that he he uh, he holds no ill will towards Vin Diesel. But then immediately said, you know what, I take that ill will part back. So, 
Lots of fun, fun stuff. Um, after Fast 9, we will be getting a Fast 10 that will close out the franchise, but who knows if that'll be the end of the franchise. Maybe they'll give a spinoff to Tej and Roman, where they just bicker and, uh, you know, Roman is just over the top for an hour as he usually is. Well, that closes out our sequel news. Next up, did you see the news that How to Train Your Dragon 3 dominated overseas with an opening of $40 million? It has now generated a whopping $84.4 million overseas ahead of its February 22nd North America release date. The final chapter of the beloved children's trilogy has earned critical acclaim and it currently holds a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm a big fan of these series um, and I actually had the pleasure of meeting America Ferreira who voices Astrid uh, after she gave a speech at a Latinos in Action conference back home in Utah. <clears throat> and my favorite thing about this series has to be their theme, though. It gives me goosebumps when I hear it, weirdly enough. I don't know. Anyway, next bit of news. Did you see the news that Chris Evans might possibly still have a future in Marvel after Endgame? But it could be behind the camera. A new report claims that Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige has offered Evans the opportunity to direct some episodes of those limited series that Marvel Studios are prepping for Disney+. While this should still be considered a rumor, it might not be too far off as Chris Evans has spoken out about this in the past, stating that he wants to try his hand at directing in the future rather than acting. Right now he only has the film before we go under his belt, but directing something like these limited series could help open the door to bigger dream projects. Now, I haven't seen Before We Go, so I can't really speak on his directing ability, but I'm all for new directors in the game. Did you see the news that Chris Pratt spoke out about Guardians of the Galaxy 3, promising that it is still happening? The film was originally supposed to premiere in 2020, but with the firing of director James Gunn, the brakes were slammed by Disney, wasting no time and sending home crew members who had already begun work on pre-production. Since then, the fate of the Guardians' third solo outing has remained unclear. Marvel Studios has reportedly talked to a number of filmmakers, but seems like most of them are reluctant to try to follow in Gunn's footsteps. Many of the names that have been suggested, such as Edgar Wright and Taika Waititi, are friends of Gunn, and it is unlikely that they would fill his shoes. Chris Pratt uh, insisted the movie is still in the works, saying, I promise there will be a third movie. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but I know everyone on board is just eager to give the fans what they want and wrap up a trilogy in a meaningful way. We're still circling the city of Jericho, I like to say. Look, I'm a huge fan of the characters. Um, I loved the first two films. Finding them refresh, uh, you know, refreshing and fun, different and new. I loved James Gunn's vision and his care for these characters. And I'm just, I'm very saddened that we'll never get to see his vision come to life for this third installment. I have very strong feelings about the situation. I'll still see Guardians 3, but I will always think of what might have been had Disney lived up to their belief of second chances. Alright, last bit of news. Did you see that Mike Mitchell, director of the Lego Movie 2 the second part, apparently tried to talk Chris Miller and Phil Lord out of making it? Last month, Eric Eisenberg of Cinema Blend sat down with the director and they talked about the film, and there Mitchell revealed that he had had a hesitation about making the film, referencing early talks with the Lego Movie directors and writers Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Mitchell said, when Chris and Phil told me that they were going to make a sequel to the Lego film, I was like, uh, you guys shouldn't do that. It's like the perfect film. It's my favorite film. I love that Lego film, the original one. And then they pitched the story and I was like, that is a great idea. That's so cool to have a little sister and figure out 
what her whole world is. And she's got, like, not just different lands like in the first movie. She has a whole solar system filled with planets, with characters and stuff. So I was sold. After this explanation, Mitchell uh, was not only sold on the idea of buying a ticket, but also helping bring their idea to life. According to Cinema Blend, the Lego Movie 2, the second part, picks up literally where the first film left off, with young Finn, played by Jaden Sand, getting word from his father, Will Ferrell, that he is going to have to share the Lego space in the basement with his younger sister, Bianca, played by Brooklyn Prince. The sibling rivalry is quietly the basis for the entire plot of the film, with the Lego world once again mirroring reality with its own story. And that is all the news that I have. But today, we're going to be trying out a new segment on the show called You Should Check Out. It is a segment where I will be recommending a variety of different things, whether it be movies, TV shows, songs, artists, albums, or just cool creative things. This is my gift to you all. I will be blessing your lives one recommendation at a time. Again, these are recommendations, not sponsorships, not redirections. I'm just merely speaking to you on what I enjoy and what I know you will enjoy because I have good opinions and I like good things. All right, this will be, of course, different than my in-depth analysis that comes at the end of the show because there will be more than one recommendation in an episode and I won't be speaking on the subject as much as I do the main subject of the show. Anyway, let's get into these recommendations. Check this out. The very first thing you should check out is an EP, a six-song EP, which was just released by the band The Score. It is titled Pressure, and it features six songs by The Score, three of which are new releases, those songs being Dreaming, which features Black Bear, Under the Pressure, and Born for This. Those are the three new songs. Um, it also features Fear, uh, Glory, and Stronger, which were previously released as singles. I really, really, really enjoyed this short album, this this EP, because it was a change of tone and style, and they've spoken out about this before, the score, um, that they're kind of pushing forward its new ground, it's, you know, the laying new a new path sort of thing. And, and so you can really hear it in these songs. They're much more rock-heavy, much more grunge in feeling, but even though it's a change of tone and style, it still remains true to sort of the spirit of what the score is, which is, and and, and, I, and I've had the pleasure of meeting these guys and, and getting to know them and hearing this firsthand from them, but the sort of spirit of their band is, is sort of empowering individuals to, you know, leave fear behind, to be stronger and, and be able to to reach, uh, reach for their dreams and their accomplishments and give it all they have. And just sort of, it's just an idea of empowering people through music and through words. And it is powerful, powerful stuff. I actually had the the pleasure of meeting these guys um, because every year our high school, uh, where I graduated from, Payson High School in, in, in Utah, they do a year theme. And we have a song that accompanies that theme. So I was on the student council my senior year. I was student body president. We chose the theme we are unstoppable and we chose the song unstoppable by the score to accompany our theme um and the score unbeknownst to me the score was having a contest called local legends where you just submitted someone that you thought was a local legend because of their their work of because of like what they how they gave back to the community stuff like that um and my one of my very best friends uh kin flip and he submitted my name into into this contest because 
you know, he just sort of cited the work that I did uh, with Latinos in Action, Student Council, uh, numerous, and not to be braggadocious, but, you know, numerous, numerous hours that I put into community service, which I I did for the, the good of my heart, basically, you know, because I'm, I'm the kind of person that believes if you're in a better situation than others, then you should by all means give back. You know, I grew up in a low-income family. I'm an undocumented immigrant. So growing up, life for me wasn't blessed. I was not born into wealth or privilege. In high school, I was likely enough to where my family sort of bettered themselves and I could now enjoy a better life. And so throughout uh, throughout junior high and high school, I was like, well, now I have to give back. You know, just as people gave to us, I have to give back. Anyway, he recommended me because of this. I won the contest. They featured me on their social media pages. Um, they, you know, got in contact with Caden and I, said they wanted to FaceTime us, said they were going to send us merch, and said they were going to be in, in Utah in December for a concert, and they, and they were going to get us tickets. So we FaceTimed them, and we had the opportunity to to talk to them. And it was really cool because, you know, neither of us had – they're not – they weren't the biggest band at the time, but I think they're growing more and more now. And it was just cool to interview this this rock band in my friend's kitchen, and we, we talked to them about, you know, how they got their, their start – and this kind of ties in with the spirit of this band is they were they were two songwriters in in New York writing lyrics and music for other people. And one day they were like, hey, why don't we just do this for ourselves? Why are we writing music for other people? Why not, you know, go for it, take the be courageous and take the, the jump. And so uh, Eddie Anthony, the singer and Edan Dover, uh, who's sort of the musical genius, um, they went for it and they played a couple of songs a couple of venues and they they didn't even have a name at first they were just they would just be be introduced as the, these two guys um until one day they were reading i think it was i don't remember i forget the the name of the magazine but they were reading a magazine and it had a, a section called the score where they talked about game highlights and stuff and they were like this is it this is the name that we're going for because of you know sports the highlight uh is the score but then also because musical scores and stuff and so they set out to sort of empower other people to to take the jump as they did. And while they're trying to live out their dream and live out their fantasy, they're, in, they're encouraging other people to live out their dreams and live out their fantasies, something that Caden and I got to do because of them. Because after we met them in December at their concert, uh, after the show, they talked about how they wanted to do something for our high school because they thought it was really cool that we used their song. And... Um, they decided, you know what, we're going to come and we're going to perform at your school. And so a couple of months down the road, they came to our school and performed a rock concert at 9 a.m. And it was awesome because we got to do a Q&A section with them afterwards where we got to interview our, our sort of role models and our icons, these two icons that we looked up to on stage in front of all our friends and and, and teachers that we revered. And it was just a really cool experience. Definitely, definitely check out this uh, EP. It is definitely worth it. Great, great music, great stuff. Another thing that you should check out is a TV show by the name The Good Place. Um, the first two seasons can be found on Netflix, and the third season can be found on Hulu. And I believe all three seasons can actually be found on YouTube TV. Now, the reason I'm recommending this, and let me tell you a little bit about the show. So it's, The Good Place is essentially heaven, right? And it's a show uh, focused around the group of people, the main character being Eleanor, who's played by Kristen Bell. Um, and... She wakes up in the good place being told that she's passed away and she's like, okay, cool. But the thing is she doesn't belong there. You know, she was a really horrible person as in, in life. And she tells this only to her soul, her soulmate, cause you're given soulmates in, in the good place, Chidi, who was an ethics professor. 
And she tells him this and, you know, she sort of asks him to help her become a more ethically correct person and learn to be better and good while she's in the afterlife so that she can earn her spot there. And it's a really interesting show. It's really good. It's really funny. I won't say anything else because I would spoil it. Um, it's got really good humor, great cast, great twists. Um, and I just really enjoy it because I think it's a show that will change your perspective on the world and sort of make you question your actions and and your motivation behind things. Like when I watched it, it kind of changed my my look on things because I thought to myself, you know, I'm so, someone who's lived a life of service. And I thought, you know, did I do these things for me or did like for personal recognition or did I do these things for the goodness of my heart? Did I do them to give back? Did I do them because it was the right thing to do? And that's sort of the idea that is presented in The Good Place because it's, you know, you get into the good place by doing good things simply because they're good, not because you're expecting to get into the good place. And so it changed my perspective on on reality in that sense. Now everything I do, I have to ask myself, you know, am I doing this because it is right or am I doing this because I'm expecting some sort of recompense from it? Anyway, I recommend the show. Really, really good. Very, very uh, funny. Check this out. All right, tonight's topic is a short musical film that I hold very dear to my heart by one of my absolute favorite bands. I will be basing my discussion and analysis of The Ballad of Cleopatra on similar ideas and views expressed by Atwood magazine. You know how when you have a conversation with one of your grandparents or a wise old person and you walk away with this feeling of, I don't know, thankfulness? That they imbued you with their wisdom, giving you a bit of strength that the rest of the world doesn't have. Speaking to someone who has really lived a life full of triumphs, failures, hardships, and enduring all of it, it sort of puts you in your place. It makes you appreciate your place in this world and gives you hope of what you can make of your life. Well, the lead singer of the Lumineers, Wesley Schultz, had one of those experiences with a fascinating taxi driver he met while traveling. What she told him would become the heart of the Lumineers album and would birth the visual representation of her story becoming the beautiful ballad of Cleopatra. After the release of their album, Cleopatra, the Lumineers released music videos for Ophelia, Cleopatra, Sleep on the Floor, and Angela slash Patience, all of which teased the storyline but never gave the full story of the taxi driver Schultz met and dubbed Cleopatra. The band released the videos separately and out of order, methodically and meticulously allowing us to see bits and pieces of the story, intriguing us and giving us desire to see more, making us see how these songs and this story could be connected. And finally, a year later on April 27, 2017, director Isaac Revin Shakara and the Lumineers put into the world the art piece that is The Ballad of Cleopatra, finally piecing together the whole story giving us all a piece of that conversation and allowing us to hit refresh and gain perspective and see the importance of life and what within it is so important. Now, let's jump into an in-depth examination of these songs. The short film opens with Ophelia. This is one of the only parts of this short film that the band actually appears in, the second being Cleopatra, but very briefly. This is a great way for them to introduce the ballad with a song that the members all hold close to their hearts. A song that is about the expectations, success, and pressure 
the band has gone through since their rise to fame. Ophelia is sort of a reminder for the Lumineers. It allows them to take a step back and sort of appreciate everything that has happened to them. And we see this visually portrayed as we see the lead singer Wesley Schultz step out of his body while in the middle of a show, removing himself from the current chaos of his life. Just as the meaning of the song depicts, he departs from the venue and begins to walk down the street, dancing to the beat of the song. The song continues as he pleasantly strolls along, and as the music begins to fade out, we get transitional notes that lead to Schultz entering the cab of one, Cleopatra. They share a conversation that is unheard to us, and thus the story begins. Schultz exits the car, and as he does, the song Cleopatra begins to play as Cleopatra waits for her next passenger. The Cleopatra part of the ballad, which is probably my favorite part, follows this, well, this beautiful driver with wild gray hair and two beautiful shining eyes that reflect sadness, but also wisdom. These eyes, they're full of a wisdom that I think some of us will never know. A wisdom of life. And as she drives down the busy streets, and as passengers enter and exit her cab, we see that she is reminiscing. She is thinking about the what-ifs of her life. The what-ifs that I'm sure... We have all dealt with at some point or another. The what-ifs that haunt us, but are inevitable in life. The song isn't so much about regret, but rather it is about thinking about the path you took in life. The path that got you to where you are now. Realizing that for whatever reason, no matter how difficult it might have been, it was the path you needed to take. I was clean, the Petra. I was young and an actress When you knelt by my mattress And asked for my hand But I was sad You asked it As I laid in a black dress With my father in a cast I had no plans Yeah And I left Footprints, the mud stain on the carpet, and all oh, like my heart did when you left town. But I must admit it, that I would marry you in an instant. Damn your wife, I'd be your mistress just to have you around. We see characters enter and exit her cab. Some are familiar, others are not. Some are real, and others are much more metaphorical, pushing the storyline of the ballad. But all of them have different stories to tell. All of which are taken in by our wise and seasoned Cleopatra. So I drive the taxi, and the traffic distracts me from the strangers in my backseat that remind me. Eventually she shuts the meter off, 
and picks up her adult son from the airport. He enters the front seat with a smile on his face and kindness in his eyes, and he gives her a grand hug. And they drive off until dusk. They stop and enjoy some burgers with full smiles and the most genuine of laughs. But as the night falls, they enter the cab once again, and she takes him to his father's house. And that is when we get the first what-if of the ballad, which becomes a recurring theme through the entirety of it. Cleopatra imagines going in to make amends with her son's father so that they can enjoy their son's stay together as a family. But this doesn't come to pass. She instead gets in her cab and drives. Drives into the night. The only gifts from my Lord Were birth and divorce But I've read this script in a costume fix So I play my part She drives, her face sullen and soft. A smooth transition begins as Cleopatra transforms into a much younger version of herself, driving away from something else with the same look on her face. What comes next is the beginning for Cleopatra. The beginning of the what-ifs. A peaceful piano track plays as we see the youngest version of Cleopatra, sad and transfixed, staring deeply into her boyfriend's eyes, standing at her father's funeral. As the keys of the piano put you at ease, everything moves in slow motion. The boy slowly approaches her and whispers, If you don't leave now, you might never make it out. With that, sleep on the floor begins, and Cleopatra imagines what would have been if she left with the love of her life on that very day. Pack yourself a toothbrush, dear. Pack yourself a favorite plow. Take a withdrawal slip. Take all of your savings out. Because if we don't leave this town, I never make it out I was not born and Baby, come on Sleep on the Floor takes us on a journey. The young man and woman drive, in love, across the states. They wander in and out of dirty motels, meeting new people, seeing new faces along their way, and feeling free for once. Although they lack stability and secureness in this new life they have set out on, they have each other. They eventually get married, happy as can be, and they dance. They dance the night away. And as they sleep on their wedding night, sleep on the floor comes to an end. The young Cleopatra locks eyes with the camera, and the scene shifts out of the what-if scenario into reality. She's now back in her car, just as we saw her before the song began. With that soft and sullen look in her eyes, she looks in the rearview mirror only for a second and continues her drive, always moving forward. Angela begins with Cleopatra slightly older and pregnant. She's in bed with her husband, safe and secure in a nice home. However, we can tell that despite all this, she doesn't want to be there. It is at this point that we know who the Cleopatra character is, or rather who she wants to be. She's taller than the rafters. Life has gotten in the way of who she wanted to be, but that doesn't change who she is deep down at her core. And so, as the guitar plucks of Angela continue, we see the older, pregnant Cleopatra leave her body and begin to imagine what life would have been like if she left him when she wanted to. 
When you left this town with your windows down in the wilderness inside. Let the exits pass all the tar and glass till the road and skyline. The strangers in this town, they raise you up just to cut you down. Oh, Angela, it's a long time coming. In your Volvo lights lit up green and white with the cities on the signs. But you held your course to some distant war in the corners of your mind. She's going back, driving back to where she always seems to be, the open road, on her own, moving forward. But this time her face isn't soft and sullen, but rather it is determined. Determined to hold her course, stay on this path, she drives for hours until she reaches a motel room. She exits the car, looks to the sky, and for the first time in the ballad, she shows joy, celebration, and finally, peace. Angela takes us on the journey of the heart and soul that is the Cleopatra character, following your gut and your heart to its wit's end. My eyes is the bow that ties the story of this legend together. She is much older now than when we first met her in that taxi. She sits in a nursing home, sharing stories with her nurse in white shoes and waiting for her time to end. Oh, the devil's inside. You opened the door. You gave him a ride. Too young to know, too old to admit That you couldn't see how it is What did you do to my What did you sing to that lonely child Promised it all but you lied You better slow down maybe soon It's all or nothing to you Before it is over, we see Cleopatra shift out of her body one last time to make the move we know she wants to make. She walks down the empty halls, out of the nursing home, and into the abyss. In what is my favorite shot of this whole thing, all the versions of her coming together. The Ballad of Cleopatra spreads the wisdom of its character onto those who view it. She shows us to be strong and to always stay true to ourselves. She shows us that we may not end up where we thought we would, but in the end, it doesn't matter. Because in the end, the only thing that matters in life are the people you could never and would never want to live without. So choose those people and hold them tight. I won't be late for this, late for that, late for the love of my life. And when I die alone, when I die alone, die I'll be on time. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we have reached the end of our show. Tune in next week at the same time and on the same frequency for another episode. 
I've been your Captain Jose Valle, and this has been Captain's Log, and we've reached the end of our transmission. Until next time, goodbye.